many factors in our lives condition us and influence how we approach God. That's the case today in an email from an international listener to the podcast, a teenager. Hello, Pastor John. I'm a 14-year-old and uh, a rather new listener to the podcast. I live in Southeast Asia. I have a question about fear, specifically my fear of becoming close with God in the Bible and through prayer. I find myself longing to be connected with God, but constantly feeling repelled away from him too. I don't get the familial feelings that I should have. I suspect it could be because of my relationship with my parents is bad. My mother has been abusive in the past, and I never knew my father until recently. He is unstable. My family is a real mess. How do you think family dysfunctions affect our relationship to God? So our young friend says, I have a fear of becoming close to God. I find myself longing to be connected with God, but constantly feeling repelled. I don't get the familial feelings I should have. And I take him to mean that he knows from the Bible that God is his Father and that he is God's Son. And yet, as he attempts to draw near to God, this fatherly family relation doesn't feel like it should. It probably doesn't feel warm or welcoming or hopeful or safe. And he wonders whether such a paradox of being drawn to God and repelled by God might be owing to his earthly family situation. So he asks, how do you think family dysfunctions affect our relationship to God? So I'm going to make five brief observations from the Bible that I hope he will dig into for his own hope and stability. Number one, get really clear in your mind and heart that the guilt of ungodly parents does not attach to godly children. Ezekiel 18.20 The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father. Now, don't be confused when God says in Deuteronomy 5.9, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. What that means is that wherever the guilty sins of the fathers persist in the guilty sins of the sons, there will be a divine judgment. The key phrase is, those who hate me. Where the evil of the fathers finds an echo in the hatred of the sons, judgment will come. So the wonderful truth for our young friend is that his mother's and father's guilt for sin does not cling to him or condemn him. In Christ, he stands before God by his own faith. He is accepted, loved, forgiven because of Christ, and his guilt is taken away. That is crucial. Now he has a place, a solid place, to stand as he faces these challenges. Number two, 
consider the amazing biblical record of 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles about wicked kings and failing kings of Judah who had sons who turned out to be good kings. Asa did what was right, but his father Abijah was evil. Uzziah did what was right, but his father Amaziah failed in his old age. Hezekiah did what was right in his eyes, in God's eyes, but his father Ahaz was evil. Josiah did what was right, but his father Ammon did evil. Hmm. In other words, the Bible witnesses to the fact that in God's world, many failed fathers have had righteous and useful sons. In fact, Jesus said, do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Families will be divided. Father against son, son against father. That's what believing will sometimes do in families. Therefore, don't be fatalistic. Don't think, well, failed parenting always produces failed offspring, so there's no hope for me. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. Number three, here's why that is. Genealogical curses are broken in Christ. Sin and dysfunction may have ruined families for generations, so much so that people can feel hopeless, which is cursed. I mean, I've had people tell me this. Somebody lost a child on New Year's Eve one time, and I went to visit them immediately while everybody was celebrating at church, and the father stopped me in the hall, and he just said, does God curse families? Hmm. So much problems come into one family. We're just cursed. There's no, no hope for us. That's why everything goes wrong in our family. The fathers, they would say something like this. The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. That's Jeremiah. And Jeremiah says, don't talk like that. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that is not a—that's not the way Israel talks. Yeah. Jeremiah 31, 29. Christ is the great curse breaker because of what Paul said in Galatians 3, 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Now, if Christ has set us free from the curse rendered by God in his law, how much more will he break every curse and every spell and every enchantment and every hex that may loom over your family for generations? So here's the mindset I think our young friend should have. God has called me, 14-year-old me, God has called me to himself in the midst of a cursed and broken and dysfunctional family. This is my time. This is my calling. He has raised me up to break this curse. He has raised me up to free this family from generations of dysfunction. From now on, I belong to Jesus. I have a perfect Father in heaven. I will, by his power, build a new generation. That's what I think his mindset should be. Fourth, keep in mind that God assumes that all of us come to Christ with a defaced image of God and who he is and who Christ is. In other words, don't think it's unusual 
that because of your distorted fathering or mothering or sonship, that your view of God is distorted. That's not unusual. It's universal. (laughs) Sin has ruined everybody's view of God and self. Everybody comes into Christ with a distorted, dysfunctional, demeaning view of God. That's what sin has done. We spend a lifetime trying to fix it, which means that all of us must experience in our mind and in our heart a massive revolution in the way we think about God in all of his roles. All of us. Some people have one distortion of God. Some people have another. And yes, our parents had something to do with that. So did a lot of other things. The process of sanctification for every Christian is this, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being changed into his likeness. In other words, every Christian needs to have a Bible bath for every thought in our head. Every thought needs cleansing. Every thought needs adjusting. Paul says it happens by looking, looking, looking to Christ and to God in Christ. So, I say to our young friend, join all of us. Join all of us and fix your eyes on the way the Bible describes God as your Father, God as your Shepherd, God as your King, God as your friend. Mm. And don't think you are unusual because you must undergo such a revolution in your thinking. You're not unusual. You're normal. And then the last thing I would say, number five, is that m- most of us have been lamed. I, would, I think I could say all of us, but I'll just leave it most, lest yeah. anybody stumble over absolute statements. Most of us have been lamed by past experiences, deep experiences of shame. I remember a few horrific experiences when I was a child of being shamed, not by my parents, but others or rejection, or abuse, or trauma, of all kinds, we, we should have a realistic view that some of these wounds are like Jacob's hip being put out of joint. Mm. We will walk the rest of our lives with an emotional limp. This doesn't mean we can't have a deep, satisfying, loving walk with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. It just means We should be realistic. The healing of wounds can still leave scars, and even those, though they make us limp, can be turned to the glory of Christ. Man, there is a lot in those five responses to meditate on. Thank you, Pastor John, for your wisdom, for your counsel. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening today. If you have a hard and sensitive question, you can send it our way, and we will keep your name anonymous. Uh, You can ask that question, or you can search through or browse all 1,600 of our past episodes. You may find answers to your questions there. And, of course, you can subscribe to the podcast, too, as we release new episodes in the future. You'll get those delivered to your device wherever you want. You can do all of that online at desiringgod.org forward slash John. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. We'll see you next time on the podcast on Wednesday. Until then, thanks for listening. We'll see you then.